if you love your pastor and his family, would you make some noise, honk your horn, clap, shout, whatever you... A few years. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. And uh, I anticipate the future of this church. I know the future of this great church is bright. God is really connected to your pastor and I over the course. Such a great friend and such a great voice. Uh, there have been several occasions where I needed a word. God used your, your pastor to speak into my life prophetically. And uh, I thank him and I honor him and his wonderful family. Praise God. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 2 verse number 17. Acts chapter 2 verse number 17. I will not try to keep you very long here this evening, but... I do have to obey the Holy Ghost. I have wrestled with this. I have struggled with this. Uh, I've explored other directions to go. But I just feel like the Lord is telling me I need to just stay right here. Do what He's telling me to do. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse number 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God... I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. We know that and we preach about that in this end time hour. But that's not all that verse says. The writer goes on to say, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I believe that in this season that we are in as the body of Christ, God is not just pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, but I believe we are about to see an increase of sons and daughters prophesying. All right. So for the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this subject, sons and daughters shall prophesy. All right. This is a word that I've only preached one other time and it has been during this pandemic in a setting much like this and I feel that this is where we are not just as a local assembly but I believe that this is where we are as a body and I understand that God is saying different things to different people uh, but this is what the Lord has shown me and what the Lord has spoken to me so I want to preach to you about sons and daughters shall prophesy wherever you are you're in your vehicle. I want you to just close your eyes and lift your hands. And I want you to act like you're in a sanctuary full of people. And I want you to lift your voice and call on the name of the Lord. Mighty God, we love you. And we are so thankful for the power and the authority of your word. And I feel the touch of the Holy Ghost right here, right now. And God, I pray right now that there would be a witness in the spirit as to what you have placed in me to say. I pray, God, that you would broaden my vocal cords. Let me not speak the words of men, but let me open up my mouth and speak what thus saith the Lord for this hour. Open up our hearts and our spirits, God. And we know that your word will not return void. And we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Would you clap your hands? Would you honk your horn? Would you just magnify the name of Jesus wherever you are? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Those of you front row folks, you can be seated. God bless you. I appreciate you so much. At the conclusion of this season... The church cannot and will not be the same. That's right. 
we must break out of our comfort zones and begin to operate as the spirit beings we have been created to operate as. We must step into the dimension where we live with a keen awareness of the spirit world. Because we have to understand that the natural world is not the real world. But the natural world is the created world. But the real world is the spirit world. Because the spirit world existed before the created world. Exodus gives us an account of darkness covering the entire nation of Egypt. God got very descriptive and he said that it is darkness that could be felt. The darkness possessed such a heaviness and such a weight about it that it was a tangible darkness. Right. And that same tangible darkness has covered the earth in this pandemic. Anyone who is sensitive to the spirit can easily pick up on the eeriness of this entire situation. We have driven in towns and streets that are empty. We have walked inside stores that are empty. There's just an eeriness about the entire situation. There is an eeriness that comes with this darkness that is covering the earth. So we have got to pay attention to the signs of the times. I don't, I don't mind telling you today that we are closer to the sounding of the trumpet than we have ever been before. We must be sure to never return to normality where the spirit is concerned. Religious tradition has got to go. Carnality has got to go. Complacency has got to go. And it is time for the apostolic church to step into dominion and be used by God mightily. Because the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's right. I want you to know there's an urgency in my spirit here today. And I believe it is the urgency of the hour that we are living in. We are in the 11th hour and the work day of the church is about to come to an end. So we have got to hasten with the task that is set before us. When we're able to assemble again, I urge you to refocus your priorities. Souls are depending on every one of us to grow up and mature so we can make disciples and save the lives of the people in our world. That's right. That means we've got to get rid of our agenda when we come to church. That means everyone has to do his part and her part to facilitate an atmosphere of the supernatural. That means no more blaming our lack of praise on our personality types because souls are depending on you and I like they have never depended on us before. We cannot be the same when this is over with. Go ahead. And so we have to understand that perspective is everything. Mary was engaged to Joseph as a virgin when she conceived the Messiah. To most people, that would seem like a crisis. Most would have asked God, what on earth are you doing? But Mary probably asked God, what are you doing on earth? 
Because perspective is everything. And in this crisis, we have to ask God, what are you doing on earth? What is your purpose in everything that has taken place? What do you want out of us in this season? What are you mold us and make us into in this hour? You see, everything in creation functions the way that it does because creation is in a reactive posture. All of creation is suspended on God's word. The sun will rise another day because it is reacting to the word that set it in motion in the beginning. The stars will twinkle in the sky tonight because they are reacting to the command of God's word. The wind blows and rustles the leaves of the trees because it is reacting to the command that initiated its movement in the beginning. And so creation must react to the command of God's word that was spoken by God in the beginning. Everything in creation is reactive. It is living in obedience to the way that it was commanded to function. In other words, everything in creation is just mechanics. It is bound by no other option but to go through the motions every day that passes by. It does not have the option to be proactive. But we have to understand that there is a difference between man and everything else in creation. Because man is the only creation that has the option to be proactive instead of reactive. The reason is, is because man was not fashioned by God's word. Man was fashioned by God's work. When he wanted to create everything else, God had to talk. But when he wanted to create you and I... God had to touch. Everything else exists because of what God spoke. But you and I exist because of what God shaped. So we as the body of Christ have the opportunity to be proactive. And in this hour, God is trying to bring us back to our originally created position. And that is a position that is proactive instead of reactive. I want to preach to you that our instinct as the Apostolic Church should be initiative, not intimidation. That's right. We have a tendency to become like the rest of creation and that we get caught in the rhythm of reacting to what hell does and reacting to life struggles and reacting to opposition in ministry when God is trying to move us into a posture that is a proactive posture where we take the first step and take initiative to walk in the promises that God has already given us in Exodus 25. God begins to lay out the plan for the tabernacle in the wilderness for Moses. And in Exodus 40, we see where it is time for the tabernacle to finally be set up. All of the pieces are in order. Every ounce of cloth has been stitched together. Every measurement is just right. All of the instruments have been formed and painted and crafted. And so the first piece of instrument that God instructed to play 
place inside the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. But once the Ark was placed inside the tabernacle, every other piece of furniture was then placed in its position. So the first time they entered the tabernacle, they started with the glory. But the next time they entered the tabernacle, they ended with the glory. The positioning of the glory preceded the positioning of everything else, ladies and gentlemen. I come to tell you that we must start with the glory and we must end with the glory. We cannot finish in the flesh what God has started in the spirit. What God wants to do in this end time hour is so great, it's so big, it's so mighty and so powerful. Man cannot manufacture and flesh cannot fabricate what God is trying to do in this hour. If you believe that, would you make some noise right now? So since the middle of last year, the focus of the spirit I feel on the church has been all about alignment. And during 2020, don't misunderstand me when I say this. I don't mean this in a negative way. But during 2020, the church as a whole has not been in a harvest mode. Even before this season of pandemic that we are in and social distancing, the body of Christ as a whole across the world has not been in a harvest mode. I understand individual locations have been in a harvest mode. There have been churches that have had great revival, but the body of Christ as a whole been in a harvest mode and the Lord directed me to begin preaching in December of 2019 that God is bringing his body in alignment to prepare us for a fresh visitation and that prophets are about to begin to come out of the caves and when God led me to preach that I had no idea what would transpire in the upcoming months. I had no idea that we would be where we are and since this pandemic that has resonated in my spirit it louder than ever before. Many men of God that I have been connected to have echoed those same words that the body of Christ has got to get into alignment and that prophetic voices are about to be loosed in the kingdom of God. And so for the last several months the church has been in the first phase of Ezekiel 37. In the first phase of Ezekiel 37 the prophet spoke the word and those scattered bones were brought into alignment. But once there was alignment in those bodies, the prophet spoke the second time. But this time he spoke to the atmosphere. And the spirit revived what was brought in alignment by the word. We are about to enter into the second phase of Ezekiel 37. Where God begins to revive that which has been brought into alignment in this season. But hear me when I say this, it cannot happen if prophets are silent. You say, well, I'm not a prophet. I want you to know there is a prophetic element in the DNA of every New Testament believer. We are a prophetic people. And so what we better start doing in this hour is being voices that are lifted, that will speak to the atmosphere and call things that are not as though they already were. We better get into a place of spiritual warfare where we open up our mouths and let hell know that it does not have power, that we will see revival in Wallace Ridge, that our lost families will be saved, that backsliders will come home, that the 
this building is going to be filled. You've got to open your mouth, prophesy to the wind, and claim your end time revival. Right wherever you are, I want you to begin to do that. But now speak to the wind. We command the north to give up. We command the south to give up. We command the east and the west to bend your knee. And God going to give revival like never before. Wherever you are, lift your voice and let's pray right now. I feel a witness in the spirit right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 2 Kings 4, the Shunammite woman built a prophet, built a room for the prophet in her home. The prophet looked at this woman and said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. In other words, by this time next year, your future is going to be born. Eventually, this woman's future dies. And she takes her future and puts it in the room of the prophet. And he lays on top of the cold, dead body of the boy and aligns his eyes with the boy's eyes. He aligns his mouth with the boy's mouth and aligns his hands with the boy's hands. The purpose of the prophet is to make sure that our future is aligned with what God says, with what God sees, and with what God does. And when we make room for the prophet, our future will be revived and it will be greater than it ever was before. The problem is we as the body of Christ have been hesitant to make room for prophetic voices because we're afraid they're going to tell us what we need to hear rather than what we want to hear. We cannot make it through the end times if we continue to muzzle God's messenger. We want the visitation, but don't want the prophet that gets us in alignment so we can have the visitation. We want the covenant, but not the prophet who brings judgment to our houses so we can stay in the covenant. You understand that Israel did not want a prophet. They wanted a king so they could be like other nations. And so they silenced the prophet Samuel and selected the personality of Saul. We are never more like the world than when we replace prophets with personalities. Yeah. The days have got to come to an end where we are muzzling God's messenger. We cannot continue to elevate personalities instead of prophetic voices. We cannot elevate talent. We cannot elevate ability. We cannot elevate pedigree or skill. But we need people that can speak prophetically. We need people that can pray prophetically. We need people that have their finger on the pulse of the Spirit and can direct the body of Christ. We need prophets even here in this local assembly who have an awareness of what the eye cannot see, of what the ear cannot hear, of what the nose cannot smell, of what the mouth cannot taste, and what the hands cannot feel. We need voices in this church that will find the cloud and go where the Spirit is telling us to go. Yeah, that's right. Am I making any sense here today? Oh, yeah. 
And so there are individuals here under the sound of my voice. I felt this in prayer. I don't want to make him uncomfortable, but God has given you a man that is more than just a pastor. But God has given you a man that has a prophetic anointing on his life. God speaks to this man. He has an awareness of the spirit world. And God has dealt with prayer about this church and has told me that there are individuals in this church that are about to step into prophetic ministry but the Holy Ghost wants me to tell you that your flaws do not hinder him from using you as a mouthpiece from heaven God told Jeremiah before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee and I ordained thee as a prophet unto the nations and then Jeremiah began to recite his flaws back to God as though that would disqualify him from a prophetic ministry. But what you have to understand is that Jeremiah was ordained to be a prophet before he was born. But his deficiency was not developed until after he was born. And so I've come to encourage you today and say a deficiency developed after your birth cannot negate a destiny God gave you before your birth. God said, hey Moses, I made your mouth. And it doesn't matter if you do stutter. When it's time to prophesy, I'm going to be with your mouth. So stop delaying your destiny as a prophetic voice in this church because of what you did or where you been or who you are or what your age is. Open your mouth and let God speak through you as a vessel of the Holy Ghost. I wish you'd just call on God right now. I feel a touch of the prophetic right now. Come on, I need you to pray. I need you to push right now. The gifts of the Spirit. You hear me, those of you that just felt a witness with that, you hear me right now. The gifts of the Spirit, they all have a ballot. Paul had a form to keep him balanced in his revelation. And Elijah had a Jezebel. That was his balance. The spirit of Jezebel produces doubt and depression. Jezebel told Elijah he would die tomorrow. And immediately he becomes paralyzed by doubt concerning his future. And that doubt sent him into a state of depression. A state of fear. A state of anxiety. And a state of sorrow. Understand that I am not a prophet. I'm not saying that at all. But any time that the Lord places a word in my spirit, there are two things that I battle with more than ever, and I've learned to identify it over time. When the Lord places a word in my spirit for a church or for an individual, I battle with fear about my tomorrow, and I struggle with the emotion of depression. I am not a depressed person, but when the Lord places a word in my spirit, all of a sudden I feel that emotion coming wow. for me, almost to the place where I can barely function. Many of you struggle with those emotions and you haven't been able to identify why you're battling with them. Those emotions are there because God has placed a word in your spirit. It is a trigger to provoke you into a place of prayer. And when you pray with the emotion of doubt and depression, I promise you, you will pray with a fervency and a passion that you have never prayed with otherwise. And that will cause the word in your spirit to finally come out. So those of you who deal with this very thing, the next time you feel those emotions, I urge you to find a place of prayer and 
and stay there until you tap into the spirit. And when you come out of that prayer closet, I promise you, you will have a word from yes. God. That depression is a signal to let you know, I've just placed a word in your spirit. You hear me, somebody? God wants to use you as a mouthpiece of heaven. Let's pray wherever you are. Let's pray. I hope I'm making sense. Ask God to give you some understanding right now of what I'm saying. Let it rest upon our hearts right now, God. Give us a spirit of understanding. And so the enemy is aware of what God is doing in the prophetic office of the church. And it combats the prophetic by loosing the spirit of Jezebel. It wants to make the church fearful of our tomorrow because it knows what the church is about to step into. And if you notice, that's the spirit that's been at work since this pandemic has covered the globe. Are we going to be able to go back to life as normal? Are we ever going to be able to assemble again? Will the stock market ever be what it's supposed to be? Will I be able to pay my bills? Am I going to be able to open my business back up. That is a spirit that is being loosed. It is a spirit of fear that is being loosed to make the church question our tomorrow and fearful of our future. The enemy has tried to overcome us with fear so it can silence the prophetic voices that are about to come out of the caves. When Elijah was fearful and didn't know if he would live beyond tomorrow, the word of the Lord came to him to go anoint Elisha as the prophet in the room. He said, Elijah, I know the spirit of fear is wanting you to hide in a cave, but you've got to get up and anoint the next generation of prophets. And so we are at a place in the spirit where prophetic anointing is about to shift to the next generation. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. But watch this. In Judaism, sons and daughters are considered to be between the ages of 25 and 30. So if you are in that age group, you better go ahead and prepare yourself. You better go ahead and get ready because God is about to speak to you in the middle of the night. Angels are about to visit your prayer closet. God is about to show you things He does not show everybody else. You're about to dream. I wish I had somebody that believed that right now. You're about to dream dreams and see visions because the word of the Lord is about to be on your lips. Yes. God told Elijah to anoint Elisha and Hazael and Jehu as king. But Elijah died before he could anoint Jehu. Elisha was too old and weak to make the journey to Ramoth Gilead where Jehu was to anoint him as king. And so this is how the task was completed. In 2 Kings 9, Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins, and take this box of oil in thy hand, and go to Ramoth Gilead. And it goes down to verse number 3, and he says, Then take the box of oil, and pour it on his head, and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Elisha told this prophet to gird up his loins because of the urgency of the task before him. He did not have time to waste. 
He did not have the luxury of walking with the anointing. But because of the urgency of the task, he had to run with the anointing. And in 2 Kings 9 and 4, this is what the Bible says about that young man. It said, so the young man, even the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. Ramoth Gilead literally means the high place of Gilead. Elijah was dead. And Elisha was too weak to make the journey. So the young nameless prophet carried the anointing to a high place faster than any other generation could have done it. Goodness. Young people are about to carry the anointing to higher places than any generation before them. He did not walk with the anointing, but he ran with the anointing. You hear me loud and clear. We are 11th hour workers. Yeah. We don't have the luxury of taking our time. We only have one hour left. Young person, it is time to run with the anointing that God is trying to place on your life. That's right. If you don't have a prayer life, you might want to start doing that right about now. If you never fast, you might want to start doing that in this season. If you never read your Bible, now is the time. Because God is saying there are young men and there are young women that are going to carry the anointing to a level that it has never been carried to before. Man, I believe it. I'm coming to a close. Musicians, somebody come. Musicians, singers. I want you to begin to develop a spirit of prayer wherever you are. Let's lift our hands and let's pray right now. Wherever you are, let's pray in the spirit. God wants to impart some things into your spirit right now. God wants to download some things into your life before we leave here today. The Bible never mentions that young man's name in 2 Kings 9. But he did something the last two generations never did. God is about to elevate young people whose names some of you don't even know. That young man, that young lady that sits there in obscurity and that you often overlook, God's about to elevate them with a prophetic anointing in this end time hour. Young person, nobody may know who you are. Sons, daughters, nobody may know who you are, but there's a prophetic anointing on your life. And let me speak to the elders here for just a moment. You might feel like an Elijah and you may say, what is there more left for me to do? You may be fearful and doubtful about your tomorrow. But I want to echo the words that God spoke to Elijah. Get up and anoint the next generation. Impart into the spirit of the next generation. Because that's where we are as a body of Christ. God's about to pour out prophetic anointings, prophetic giftings on people you'd never think would operate like that. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows your name or your last name. But there's a prophetic anointing on your life, sir. There's a prophetic anointing on your life, ma'am. Elizabeth had John the Baptist in her womb. Mary had Jesus in her womb. Mary gives a salutation to Elizabeth while this God-man is in her womb. The Bible said that John responded to the presence of the Messiah and leapt in his mother's womb.
is amazing to me that John responded to what Elizabeth carried him into. The last generation has carried us into this end time revival. It's now our job to respond to what we've been carried into. We drink from wells we didn't dig. We live in houses we didn't build. We're partaking of fingers we didn't plant. Now let's respond to what the last generation has carried us into. The stage is set. This is the 11th hour. That's right. Wherever you are, I'm asking you to begin to pray in your car. I'm asking you to begin to pray. Pray with an urgency in your spirit. Pray like you're really an 11th hour worker. Those of you that have been struggling with depression and fear, I want you to know that is a balance. That is a balance to the gifting God has placed on your life. The next time you feel that emotion and you think it's the enemy, you think that it's the devil, you think something's wrong with you, I want you to let that provoke you to a place of prayer. Don't let it cripple you. Don't let it paralyze you. Learn to identify it. Ask God to give you discernment and say, God, is this from you? Or is something wrong with me? Or is this the enemy? Go to a place of prayer and let God burn the word that he's placed in your spirit. Wherever you are, go after him right now. Wherever you are, I'm asking you, pray until you travail. Pray until you intercede. Pray until you get a word from God. Pray until you break forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.